person, but if that person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, and the other person who tried to do their best didn't, that that person saved, and the answer is yes. Why? Because us trying to do our best still is woefully inadequate. See, this is why the gospel is so hard in this culture, because we live in a culture that says, you need to do better, and Jesus says, you do, but you can't, and I did it for you. You can't do enough to be good enough in the eyes of God. It's that simple. You will mess up. You will sin you will fail to meet the perfect standard. But don't lose heart. Today, Pastor Daniel will remind you that God knows all of this. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why if you've accepted Jesus' free gift of grace from his death on the cross, you don't have to try to be good enough. Jesus' blood covers all your sins and sets you free. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 5 as he continues his message, Tales of Two Men. liberty to experience life in a multitude of ways, innumerable ways. And then God does give us parameters in which to live. Why? Not because God is mean, but because God loves us too much to want us to hurt ourselves. So he's saying, listen, for you, yeah, you can enjoy this, 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 but this thing, yeah, you can't enjoy it that way. And then we always get mad at God. And we say, God, I'm not going to do it God's way. Why would I want to? God is so limiting. Wrong. See, there's no freedom in doing what hurts you. And many of us know what that's like, don't we? We know what it's like to want things that actually hurt us, to experience things because we want to experience it, things that we knew we probably shouldn't have done, but we do it anyway. See, what's amazing is, is that Adam had liberty from God and had purpose, but yet Within the prohibition of what God had given him, Adam didn't want to abide. Now, the reason I say Jesus is the new and better Adam, because Adam was in a garden, right? And had one prohibition, right? Then you have later on, you have Jesus. Jesus wasn't in the garden. He was in the wilderness, right? Jesus was surrounded by nothing. He was in a desolate place and he was tempted by the devil while he was hungry, not with full access to food, but where there was no food and yet Jesus never sinned. So Jesus did what Adam had failed to do many, many thousands of years before. See, Adam is a picture of what God was going to do in Jesus. And for each one of us, whether we like it or not, we interact with Adam and with Jesus. Why? We interact with Adam because all of us, as we're going to see, are descendants of Adam. And all of us have the potential to be redeemed by Jesus. But really what we find next The reason these two men are so important is because in Adam, we die, and in Jesus, we live. That's the point of this. In Adam, we die, and in Jesus, we live. Look at what it says back in verse 15. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because 
all sinned. Now, you see what it's saying there. Now, and you realize that because the Bible was written thousands of years ago, the Bible wasn't concerned about gender neutral language the way we are today. Right? Now, I believe that if the Holy Spirit inspired the Word of God today, He would use gender neutral language. He would say humankind. Right? But why? Because for us, God doesn't want us to stumble over the point because it was written thousands of years ago. It's like all the stuff that's going on in our culture today, right? Where it's like something that back in the day was seen as nothing. Now, all of a sudden, it's a big problem. I was thinking about this. It makes me laugh so much that, like, you know, I'm waiting for them to ban Frosty the Snowman. Because he smokes a pipe and he wears no pants and he hangs out with kids. It's kind of scary. Can you imagine? Imagine someone broke rule out Frosty the Snowman today. I mean, he's got no clothes on. Smoking a pipe, hanging out with the kids. I mean, that is evil. I can't believe I'm normal and socially well-adjusted growing up liking Frosty the Snowman. But you realize, like, so I couldn't, I've been holding this in for so long. <laughs> But, but culture changes. And so thousands of years ago when they said mankind, nobody thought that, oh, this is not affirming of women, right? And that's, now that's happening today, right? But when the Bible uses man, it means all people, okay? So we're just, we're updating the cultural reference point. But it wasn't written today. It was written thousands of years ago, and we're fine with that, right? We're not afraid to say, hey, listen, that's the way they spoke then, right? So it says... Through one man, through Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin. Because remember, God said that you can eat of any tree, but not the tree of the knowledge of good. Because when you eat of it, you will surely die. Right? So then it says, then death spread to all people because all have sinned. You see what's going on here? See, the reason death reigns in this world is because all of us sinned, in a sense, with Adam in the garden. And as descendants of Adam... And Eve, all sin is part of our lives. And because of that, death is part of our lives. Now, then Paul takes a little aside in verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. So because Paul's been talking about the law of Moses, he's saying, look, before the law of Moses came, sin was still in the world. But once the law comes, now you have the strict rules that are in place. And now all of a sudden you're transgressing by doing those things. Nevertheless, verse 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. See, really what he's saying is that in every single generation, everybody has died except for two people in the Bible. Anybody know who those two people are? Enoch and Elijah. Go ahead, write it down. Enoch and Elijah. Write it down. That's E-N-O-C-H, not E-N or E-K-N-O-C-K. But Enoch and Elijah. Now what's interesting is both Enoch and Elijah deserved death. But because, uh, and of course, you get Enoch in Genesis 5. We don't know a lot about the story of Enoch. He walked with God and then God just took him in the midst of all of that. And then of course, Elijah, the great prophet, was kind of whisked away by the chariot of fire. But those two men were still deserving of death, but because God took them, they kind of get a unique place in all of this. But really what you have is that even before the law of Moses was given, everybody died. Everybody who came on the scene and off the scene, everybody died. And so really what he's saying is that even before the law was given, people still died. And then it says by the time you get to verse 15, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if... 
By one man's offense, many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who had sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Now, you see what Paul's doing. Paul is spending a lot of time showing, listen, Because of the mistake of Adam and Eve, the sin of Adam and Eve, the transgression, because they knew what they ought to do, but they didn't do it, death entered the world. And much more, in the same way, the finished work of the free gift of Jesus, God's grace through his death on the cross, that brings us into life. Now, some of you right now are saying, you know what I don't like about the story? I don't like the fact that one decision on Adam's part can have such a big impact. Am I the only one who feels that way? Yeah, I think it's a normal feeling. But listen, sometimes one mistake is so big, it actually changes everything. Isn't it true? We've all seen this. We've all seen this. We've seen people in circumstances, they make one bad decision, and because of that one bad decision, everything in their life changes. Right? And I, I want to say this, because unfortunately, it has a really large church. It, we lose young people in the time between Christmas and Easter almost every year since I've been here. Because somebody decides that they're going to go do something that they're not supposed to do. And then before you know it, one decision now wrecks a family, wrecks a life. I want to say that because I don't want anyone to think that one decision can't change everything. It's unfortunate that years, decades of good decisions can be shriveled up in one bad decision, but that's just life. That's reality. And the truth of the matter is, is that Adam's offense was so profound that death entered the world and all of us are the recipients of it. All of us are. And you might say, that's unfortunate, but much more the grace of God. Because just as in Adam, all of humanity is under the condemnation of a death sentence. Anybody who puts their faith and trust in Jesus, no matter how much they lived into that reality of death, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the grace of God is greater. The much more grace of God. And you could have lived your entire life under the death of Adam. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you get made alive again. Listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 to 22. It says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now, for me, this is where the rubber meets the road. Because along my journey of life, now, I've said this many times, I didn't grow up within the church. I mean, I came from an amazing, loving family, but not a spiritual family in any way. 
You know, we would go to church uh, every once in a while, specifically when we were being overly rambunctious or when my parents needed a little break, you know. And so the reality is, is that when as I was growing up and I was in my teenage years, I was a total train wreck. I mean, I wouldn't have called it that. I just thought I was having fun. What I realized is that I was on that highway to hell as ACDC sang about. I was living my life. I was living into the reality of the death of Adam. And that everything that I probably should, I was doing it anyway because you could. And, and why not? There was nothing to restrain that. And what was amazing is along, by the time I make it into college, it just gets worse because now I'm not living in my parents' house. Right? So living in my parents' house, there was curfews. And I remember when I'd come in at night, my mom would make me give her a kiss goodnight, even if she was already sleeping. And every time I kissed my mom, she'd do a big inhale because she's a mom. And so I, one time I'm like, Mom, what's up with the big inhale? She's like, I'm just smelling what you smell like. And I'm like, That's so sneaky. So I said to her, She's like, I know where you've been today. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, well, I got hip to that. I got mouthwash, you know, air freshener. Like I'd I'd be driving home air freshening myself, mouthwash. I'd brush my teeth before I got in there. And then she's like, oh, you think you can cover up? I don't know that you just brushed your teeth and sprayed air freshener all over you. See, now you know where Obadiah gets this stuff from. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, it's like, but like my mom was that kind of a person, you know? And she would, she would want to check in on what was going on. But by the time you get to college, it's like, there's no one to make sure you get in by curfew. Right? Like you only, you know, it's not like, you know, when you're in high school, I remember the progress reports, you know what I mean? Like what the school would send you home, like the report in the middle of the year, you're missing all your classes, you got too many lates or whatever and, and all that stuff. But when you're in college, you just get it at the end. Your parents find out, you get your grades, right? And I remember like, you know, when I got to college, I'm like, man, now the fun really starts because no one's going to tell me what to do, you know? And by the time I got halfway through college, I was, it was just a mess, you know, and what used to be fun started to feel like it was eating me alive on the inside. I couldn't understand why. Like, why am I having all the fun that you're supposed to have in college and I'm miserable right now? Because I was busy leaning into the death of Adam. Everything that God says don't do, I was doing. And if God, someone said, well, God says you should do it. I'm like, well, God can take a, you know, a number at the deli right now. You know, I'm getting my order in, you know. But what was amazing is, is that when I put my faith and trust in Jesus, no matter how deep into death I was, in Christ you get made alive again. That's the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is no matter what your background is, no matter how strongly you are living into a life that leads to death, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you will be made alive with Christ. Because the grace of God is greater than your rebellion. See, this is why the gospel is scandalous. This is why the good news of Jesus is so challenging for people. Because you think, are you really telling me that someone could try and live their life as best they could their whole life and someone could be a total awful person, but if that person puts their faith and trust in Jesus and the other person who tried to do their best didn't, that that person saved? And the answer is yes. Why? Because us trying to do our best still is woefully inadequate. See, this is why the gospel is so hard in this culture because we live in a culture that says, you need to do better. And Jesus says, you do, but you can't. And I did it for you. And I love if you read that text again, over and over again. Jesus is called, and what he has done is called the gift. 
And over and over again, you these words, much more than, much more, much more. And I'm here to tell you, the good news is that the gift of life in Jesus is so much more than all the mistakes you've ever made. It's so much more. And when you realize that it's a gift, a gift is given not because you deserve it. A gift is given because the gift giver is kind. See, this is what goes on in church though. Is that somebody receives the free gift of salvation and then God begins to change their life. And then they begin to think, well of course I got grace because of look at how good I'm doing. And then you start to look down at other people. But the thing is, is for those of us who've been walking with Jesus a long time. You have more than enough on the job reviews to realize how much you need grace. You on your greatest day still fall so short and so do I. But in Adam we die and in Christ we live. And that is one of the great tensions of life. That you and I get to be life in a world that is riddled with death. That you and I are invited to simply respond to Jesus in a world full of pain as somebody who is wounded but is called to be a healer by the Spirit. And I think for a lot of us, we're so used to everything being broken that we kind of forget that we're actually supposed to be nurses and doctors in the midst of it. And not in a self-aggrandizing way, but because God has done it to us, he invites us to be there, not as someone who continues the cycle of death, but as somebody who, because of the free gift that is so much more than our offense, that we can be people who can help. And it's one of the things that I love so much about what God is doing here in the Crossroads family. You know, as See so many of us stepping on out of our comfort zones and out of our comfortability within the people of God and moving into the world in the name of Jesus. You know, we just had a great time, just about 18, 20 people at hotel ministries, just serving and loving people who are in tough situations. You know, we have so many families here who are receiving foster kids into their home. Doing the best they can, just trying to love kids who are in challenging situations of no fault of their own, but because of the brokenness in their families. So many families here involved in that. You know, people who are saying, I'm going to take of my time, I'm going to go cross-culturally. And the beauty is, is when you read about the story of the good news of Jesus, from Genesis to Revelation, you begin to see that in Adam, death reigns, but in Christ through the free gift of salvation, something new gets born in the midst of that. In a lot of ways, what the Apostle Paul is doing here in Romans 5, as he's taking us from the book of Genesis all the way to the end of the Bible by looking at Adam and Jesus, the very first human, and then the person who came to redeem the world. And we want to see the entire scope of God's story from Genesis to Revelation, so that when we live our lives, we begin to see the entire scope of the finished work of Jesus in our own lives. Now, notice what it says 
In verse 19 of Romans 5, it says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, and also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I will just say this as we close this series out, that you and I, we need to allow God's grace to abound. We need to allow God's grace to abound. Now, here's the thing. When I say we need to allow God's grace to abound, his grace abounds. The finished work of Jesus, is it's done. But we need to allow it to abound in our personal lives. It's already happened, but us simply responding to God's grace, you make that decision. Like, there's some of you here right now that along the way you heard the gospel and you responded to it. And at that moment, and God's spirit works the response, but you responded to it. And at that moment, grace began to abound in your life. Where before you know it, although through Adam's disobedience, sin entered the world and death through sin, but now all of a sudden through Jesus' obedience... God's righteousness begins to work in our lives. So what I have always found in the scriptures is that God doesn't need our responses, but without our responses, we never have that experience. How many of us knew about God's grace long before we ever experienced it? Long before you receive the gospel, you hear about it. You're like, oh, that's what God has done. And then along the way, you say, I'm going to open up my heart to this. I'm going to open up my heart to this. And I love this verse because by the time you get to verse 20, it says, but where sin abounded, grace abounded what? Much more. And the good news is that where we fail, Jesus does not. And that although our mistakes might be extraordinary, God's grace is even more extraordinary. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God can make all grace abound toward you. So you see that it's personal. And My encouragement today is simply this. Jesus has already finished the work needed for your salvation. Jesus is real. Today's message was so reassuring. Jesus has already done all the work needed for you to be acceptable in God's sight. Pastor Daniel reminded you that though Adam's sins are still reverberating in your life, Jesus cuts the cords that were keeping you captive. He died so you don't have to live eternally separated from your Creator. And He's got some incredible plans waiting for you. Are you ready to jump in? I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you You're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you. 
your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone. Text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Tension is part of life, whether it's in your job, your home, or your relationships. Tension also exists in the balance between living in this world and living for your future eternal home. In this Life in Tension study, Pastor Daniel has shared valuable lessons from the pages of Romans that helped you understand how to navigate aspects of your spiritual life while fully applying God's truth and love to all you do. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.